Wake up. Alicia Bell is the founder of BLXVC, an angel syndicate of moms mobilizing money for black and brown women entrepreneurs. She's the deal flow lead for Pipeline Angels, a network of women and femmes. Alicia also advises the PayPal Ventures Black Lives Matter Fund and serves on the board for Black Girl Ventures. For more details, go to www.leishabell.com. I'm Dr. Rashana Novellis, founder and CEO of Enrich Her. I am an Atlanta-based investor, entrepreneur, yogi, someone who travels the world, and I'm just really excited to be on this podcast today. Hello, and welcome to Sisters with Ventures, the podcast where we amplify black and brown women who are angel investors. On this show, we will explore what is angel investing, how to become one, and why would you want to be one? We will discuss how the most marginalized women persevered to the very top of the investing spectrum. Whether you're making money moves or barely making money, listen up. I'm your host, Lee Chabelle, co-founder of BLXBC, an angel syndicate run by Black and Latinx women who are on a mission to represent ourselves and claim our seats on cap tables. Stay tuned. So today, my special guest on Sisters with Ventures is Dr. Rashad Novella. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. We are live from the ATL. Woo-hoo! Stand up. A-Town. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited to be here uh, with this wonderful, fabulous woman who I've known for quite a few years now. And I met her right after she started her angel investing journey. I came right behind you, I believe, and then you were starting another journey and the journeys keep going on. And so here on Sisters with Ventures, we amplify BIPOC women who are angel investors and we talk about their stories. So it is such an honor to have you here. And why don't you share a little bit about like where you come from, who are your people? I would love to. And I'm really excited that we've kept in touch all these years and you have me on your show. You haven't aged a day, just for the record, still 25. I'm still 25, right. (laughs) And so I've always had this emphasis on helping people with their economic power. If any of you Mm. have heard any of my interviews, I always talk about, you know, my mom always told me that it was my right and my duty to have economic power. And she kind of yeah. molded me yeah. to make decisions in alignment with that. So fast forward to when I decided to be an angel investor, I was going to all these pitch competitions and really looking at the people on the decisioning side of the table. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how can I participate? I noticed that there was a lack of inclusion, a lack yeah. of diversity, a lack of even understanding how yeah. life was different for different people. Mm. And I just wanted to participate. I've always had this really big heart to help others. And I said, hey, can I use my skill set in this way? Now, let's talk a little bit about your skill set. Yes. Because you are well studied. Yes. Why don't you tell us like what your specialty is? 
Well, I love school. So <laughs> I have two undergraduate degrees in computer engineering and business management economics from uh, University of California, Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute and got my master's in information technology and then my doctorate in computer engineering and finance. And then I'm also a certified enrolled agent, which means I can defend people in the IRS court system in terms oh, of I'm tax a- and accounting. Ooh, I need disputes. to call you. And clearly, I just love to learn. So if you throw a test at me, I will pass it. I pass like Series 7 and Series 6, like all of the security licenses because I really wanted to be informed. That's impressive. And so that's one of the reasons when there was like a course, when I learned about the Pipeline Angels, I was like, oh, I can take a class and learn so that I'll be out here with like a good fundamental, you know, understanding of what's happening. Right. Yes. So you started your angel investing journey with Pipeline Angels. Yes. Tell me about your first investment. So the first investment that I made was in a company named MomSource. Mm-hmm. And that company was focused on placing mothers who decided to spend time, you know, raising their children yeah. with senior corporate positions. So a lot of times when women or even men take time out of the wars, they're regulated to low level positions, right. even though they have all of this experience. Just because you take a break doesn't mean your abilities and skill sets go away. And I thought that was like a really great company. It's based in Tennessee. They have exited as of this year. So that was my very first investment, angel investment. (laughs) How long did it take? So that was in 2016 that I invested and they were around for a few years before that. And it's currently 2022. So, So, okay. It's been a while. Been a, but that's Angel. It's been a while. That's Angel. And I would say it's not sexy at all. <laughs> but, you know, you. this is not something you do to, like, invest and get a return the next day. Even yeah. the next year, it's like a long-term kind of, hey, do I believe in something enough to put my money yeah. behind it in expectation for a return? Like, it's not charity. This is like, hey, is this a good business idea? Do I think there are rewards from it? And do I personally like resonate with the story? So let's talk about your money journey because we wouldn't be able to write checks if you didn't have money to write checks and if you weren't considered an accredited investor. Right. So talk about how you accumulated or acquired wealth. So like I said, from a young age, my mom's told me it was all about economic power. So by the age of 15, I learned the concept of aggregating capital from a variety of sources. So for those of you, you mean like your mama, your daddy, your cousin? No, I wrote 200 letters <laughs> to organizations across the country and won over $600,000 when I was 15 wow. to pay for my college education. So by the time that I was in the workforce, I always had multiple streams of income, whether it be from doing, you know, the counterterrorism work that I did in Washington, D.C. for a while. I always did other things on the side. I taught people how to code. I had consulting contracts and the like. And so I always have been a good steward of capital. That's one of the reasons why I went into founding a company that would use my skills with capital. But, you know, attracting and managing money has always been innate for me. And Mm -hmm. so that's how it happened. And I always save. So my first job when I was 17, I saved 50% of everything that I made. I did that my whole time when I was young for like the first five years, 50%. Wow. Were you living in the shoebox, eating top ramen? No, no. Okay. Okay. 
You had a glorious life. I had a glorious life, you okay. know? Sometimes <laughs> as a woman, you can look cute and reduce your bills, you know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but another, I just was like, show. that's another, that's another show. show, but it, I really like, a lot of times, and one of my YouTubers I listen to all the time, his name is Meet Kevin. He said, like, what is the lowest that you can live off on? Like, if you move to another country, yeah, figure out what that lowest amount is and see what kind of life you can make. So a lot of times when we get raises or increases in income, we spend it all immediately. But if you could just hold on for a while and, like, save it, right, you could do a lot. So even when I decided to move from Washington, D.C. to Atlanta, I asked my best friend, can I, like, stay on an air mattress for six months? He's like, really, Rashawn? I was like, yeah, because I know I want my house to have really nice furniture. Like, I don't want one of those houses you come in and people are like, uh, what's in here? Like, I have very expensive taste. So I said, let me just save my income for six months, and then I can decorate in the way that I see fit. So it's really about... Knowing what you want, making those sacrifices, and then letting it grow. Yeah. I love that concept. <laughs> so once you made your angel investment, you yourself became an entrepreneur and I a did. founder. I did. And can you talk about the significance of Black women writing checks, brown women writing checks, as of now you're in the fundraising position? right? And where are you getting capital from? And what impact did that have for you? The whole process was a really humbling process. As an angel investor, the particular group that I was in was yeah. like very diverse and supportive. So it wasn't really an accurate representation of, of what the, VC really looks of like. what VC and angels really look like. So I was like, oh, I have all this understanding. I have my skill set. <laughs> I'm smart. I'm very smart, very accomplished. This whole entrepreneurial journey will be easy for me because clearly it's a no-brainer to invest in someone with all these degrees, all this experience, all this track record in finance. Like, however, people told me things like, oh. You should get a technical founder. You heard me out three engineering degrees. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you know about finance? Again, right. what? Yeah. <laughs> and so it really made me understand that it doesn't matter what your career path yeah. was or your intellect is. We are regulated to a small group of people who would even listen to us and regard us with a critical mind. So a lot of people think that investing in Black people or Black women specifically is charity or it's just a waste of money. Yeah. Or one of the most hurtful things that someone told me, they said, Roshana, like if I was going to invest in a Black woman, I wouldn't invest in you. I would invest in someone who seemed mm -hmm. like they didn't have it together. Because that would make me feel better. You have it together. And I'm like, so don't you think I have a more likelihood of success with your return on investment? Because, right. And they're like, well, but that doesn't make me feel good. It will make me. And I'm like, wait, is this an investment or charity? Because with investment, you would invest in who you would think would be the best steward of your capital, right. capital, right. the best likelihood of execution and the like. So it really was humbling. And it's been a journey. Right, right. And I think it's, it's your perspective is interesting because you've sat on both sides where, you know, you have these founders. When you're an angel, you get pitches all the time. Mm -hmm. And, like, people are always begging for money and you have to be super decisive about your capital and how you spend it. 
And then as an entrepreneur, you're kind of throwing out mass, <laughs> you know, you're like, listen, who's going to listen to me? And like, it's definitely a harder proposition being on the other side. It is. Right. Yes. Right. And I would love to like hear, there's many people listening to this call who are in this <laughs> predicament, right? I know many women who have funds who haven't closed their fund. I know many women with companies that can't secure their Series A right now. I mean, the, the strain on capital, particularly for marginalized people. Yeah. I mean, for Adam, you and we work, yeah. we got billions for you, but right. everybody else, good right. luck. So give us the harsh reality of like what founders or people, anyone raising capital in this economic environment to think about. In reality, the decision makers for most capital providers, like they can do it on a whim. There's no like requirements to do it in any kind of way. And it's okay if they pick people that just remind them of themselves. So my best advice is to not take it personally. (laughs) And that's really hard to say because when you decide to build a company, that's your baby. Like you pour your heart, soul, you ask your family for all their resources, (laughs) you do everything possible to make it work. So to separate yourself from the success of the business is really hard. And a lot of founders go through depression. They're like, wait, I did this great business plan. I had a perfect pitch. Even the colors look good on my pitch deck. I revised the pitch deck (laughs) a hundred times based on all the investors' feedback. And they still said no. Right. So just realize that this is a game that isn't fair. It's not designed for us to win. And I know a couple people were like, Rashonda, you keep forgetting. Like, it's not designed for you to succeed. So you're trying to do this uphill battle against right. all odds. Right. You know that how few women who look like you have gotten money. You know that like the financial landscape is not built for people of color to succeed. So and you're in that space. So just remember like what the statistics are. Don't be discouraged and continue to try your best and try to be happy along the way. I right. mean I interact with so many founders who think they're not good enough, but like based on odds, you're like one in a million just by even getting any investment. Right. Right. So it's really having the right perspective, the right mindset and just understanding that like you're only human. You're not a superhero. You're this human who's doing the best that you can. And, you know. Yeah. No, I think that'd be very inspiring for so many people. Because I think someone's like, you get credit for existing. Like, you get credit for showing up every day. You get credit for, like, advocating. You get credit, like, you know, the work that we take on. And you said it like your mother instilled that in you, right? My mother is like, oh, you have a responsibility. And this is what I have to do. (laughs) And how we do that and how we execute it. And I think, you know, partially it's like, okay, well, we need some self-care because we're doing too much. And you know, maybe there's another way or we have to rethink it because the money is drying up for certain people. Maybe it's like, okay, we're going to revisit this when we pray we don't need another George Floyd. We pray we don't need kind of people, these moments where people have radical change and radical awakenings to like realize that we're still underrepresented, that we still have access flowing, we don't have capital flowing to our communities, but we, we need it desperately. And so part of what this show is about is really expanding the narrative because, you know, you like me. I have a business information degree, <laughs> you know, computer science. Yep. And, you know, people say we don't exist, right? I got a, you know, I got an MBA, you know, like well studied, right? But still, like, 
with even people like us, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm already like such a small percentage of having, I have that all the check marks, check marks, like, and still I didn't get yeah, I, all the support that I would get. And it was funny because I used to tell people that in corporate America, people did see my light, right? So I was managing $50 million by the age of 25 mm-hmm. in corporate America, yet raising $2 million with my own ideas. Like, whoa, that's a big deal. It's just, yeah. it didn't really compute. I was like, what? This isn't really even any money. <laughs> like, to a real, like, large right. company, right. like, a couple million is nothing. So it's very humbling. And, you know, I don't have all the answers, but the experience really kind of opened my eyes to the reality yeah. of, you know, and that's for someone who has all the check marks. Right. You know, and right. Right. what about everyone else? Right. It makes all of us question what's the right formula. And right. we know there isn't one. There isn't one. <laughs> there, it's like you were born a certain color. You were born looking a certain way. And I know that's extremely cynical. And that's why we talk about BIPOC women who are investing in ourselves, because we have to believe in ourselves. Even in my day job and other circles, you know, people come to me all the time and say, what is your company going to do for us? I'm like, what are you going to do for yourself? What are we going to do for each other? Like, that's really the question. Like, we have to lead by example. And we have to lead with fearless women like Roshana, who, you know, took all her goods. And, like, she had many options. It wasn't because she didn't have options. Many options. Many, 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 many. Many Many. more more profitable options. More profitable. (laughs) Corporate America loves me. You know, so... You know, yeah. you know, entrepreneurs make a great sacrifice and they make a bigger sacrifice than the investors, just for the record, right? Because the investors are like, okay, I'm going to give you a sliver of something. But the entrepreneurs are really giving their all and putting their life on hold and investing their life. Like, you know, like you're, as an investor, your sacrifice is never going to meet the level of sacrifice that founders make for their companies. And so that's something that to really keep in perspective. Last question, what would you tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self that you know what you're doing. So much of my life, I asked like everyone for advice because I thought they were smarter than I was, had more experience than I was, or had figured out life. But each of us have that skill. Each of us knows who we are deep inside and what yeah. matters to us. Yeah. So I wouldn't have wasted so much like energy I mean, it's good to get input from others, but I wouldn't have wasted so much energy Mm. deliberating the opinions of other people who had nothing to do with my life, right? right? So I would say, like, just believe in yourself and do what you think is right. I love that. I love that. And with that, it's a wrap. Dr. Roshana, thank you for joining us on Sisters with Ventures podcast. It's been a pleasure. Is there a way that we can follow you or keep up with your work? Thank you for having me. I always love communicating with other dynamic, amazing women. The best way to contact me is on LinkedIn. You can find me at my jam. Roshana on LinkedIn. That's me. Love it. Well, we'll definitely keep in touch. We'll follow you and we'll keep you just supported in all the ways. Founder, investor, entrepreneur, finance guru, Dr. Roshana Novellas. Thank you for joining us. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this show. Please subscribe, tell a friend, check us out, let the world know. You can find out more information about this podcast at LeeChabelle.com. And remember, be an angel, invest.